Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. I just want to read one verse before we get going tonight. And that's in Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29, and uh, it's, a, it's a great verse, and you might, it might be a familiar verse to you a little bit, but it says, For I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. Amen. And I want to teach on the subject predestined for greatness. Predestined for greatness. You know, we know that God knows the future. And that's a very comforting understanding, a very comforting thought. Because although we don't know what the future holds, we have the distinct privilege and opportunity to know the one who holds the future. Amen. And I can lay my head on the pillow at night with that thought in my mind. And that's what Bible prophecy is all about. There's so many prophecies that have already come to pass from the Old Testament and some in the New. Amen. It's about foretelling the future. That's what prophecy is about. And, and people can't do it on their own. God has to give them that ability because God knows the future. The Bible said in Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning... And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. That's what God can do. Amen. Romans 4, 17. God who calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And Revelation 13, 8. When God was forming the world, when God was creating the earth, Jesus Christ was already slain on the cross because God sees the end from the beginning. The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. Not 2,000 years ago. In God's mind, when He was creating the earth, however millions of years ago that was, who knows? Amen. Jesus, the man that God was going to become, was already on the cross. That's how awesome God is. Now, I just want to uh, kind of take a little segue here. There, there is a false doctrine that we need to just be careful about that has been around for a long time that's based on a flawed understanding of God's foreknowledge or God's ability to see the future. And it's called the doctrine of predestination. And one of the main passages of Scripture that supposedly supports this teaching is found in Romans chapter 8. And uh, it goes like this in verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, I'm going to explain these verses in, in their true context and what it really needs to be. But basically, based on this scripture and some other uh, scriptures that are not correctly interpreted by this teaching, this doctrine teaches that God foreordained or selected in advance, before people were even born, the people that were going to be saved and the people that were going to not be saved. Which means only the people predestined 
by God can be saved and all others are doomed to be lost no matter how they live and no matter what they do. And of course, that right off the bat, that doesn't sound right to me. Does it sound right to you? That doesn't sound like a loving God. That doesn't sound like a God who died for all of us. Amen. So this flies in the face of what the Bible truly teaches. Because my Bible said, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The key word is, the key word is He loved the world. That's everybody. Amen. And the next key word is, whosoever will. Amen. The next couple words. Whosoever means anybody can take advantage of this. Will not perish. They will not be lost, but they'll have everlasting life. 1 Timothy 2.5 God will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The key there, the key word there is all men. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. He doesn't want any to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. I love these verses. Revelation twenty-two seventeen, 17, about four verses from the end of the entire Bible. And, the, and he reiterates it again. And the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Anybody, everybody is welcome. Praise God. Now, this, you know, in, uh, not so much today, in today's modern world, uh, but, you know, in, uh, in past times, uh, some cultures had what was called a caste system. And basically, you, uh, you, before you were born, you were determined, your occupation was determined, and your social status and your financial status was determined. And you couldn't really break out of that. Very few exceptions. You know, and, th and that was kind of sad because, you know, if, if your grandfather was a certain status and then your father would be that status, you would be that status, and then your son and your son's son, and it was never broken. And thankfully, it's it kind of pretty much gone away in the world now. And uh, that's wonderful. Amen. Another thing that people uh, get hung up on is what's called generational curses. Amen. And an example of that is if somebody's grandfather is an alcoholic and, and, and somebody's father is an alcoholic, they feel like, well, I'm going to be an alcoholic because it's just been, you know, we're cursed with this thing and we can't break away. And even my great grandfather was an alcoholic. And so I'm going to be one because it's pre predetermined. Oh, no, it's not. Amen. Because you know what? Jesus Christ can break any cycle. Praise God. Any generational thing. I don't care who started or whatever. Whosoever will can change and break out and you can start a new cycle. Amen. I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't raised in religion. I wasn't raised, uh, you know, in all this, whatever. Amen. Me and my family, we were the first, uh, amen, to start. A generation and then I pass it down to my kids and then they'll pass it down and so on amen and along those lines of generational curses you know God even addressed it in Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 1 the word of the Lord came unto me saying what mean ye that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge in other words, the fathers eat the sour grapes and the kids are going. 
That it, woo, you know, like when you eat sour grapes, when your saliva just starts going woo, and you go, mm, and you pucker and all that stuff. So he, he, he said, don't you, that's a proverb. It's kind of like a, a saying or whatever. And he said, why are you using that saying? And verse 3 said, as I live, saith the Lord God, you shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. And then verse number uh, 20 uh, of chapter 18 says, the soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed, keeps all my statutes and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the transgressions. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness which he has done. He shall live. Amen. So, folks, it's not how you were born because you're, everybody's born innocent. I believe that. It's how, what, what, what are you doing when you're about to die? What are you doing at the end of your life? Amen. Because that's at the end of your life. It's how you finish the race that counts. Praise God. And the sooner we get in the race for God, the better we are, off we are. So since God knows the future, and since he knows the end from the beginning, does this mean that our future is set in stone? We can't do anything about it? Because if God already knows what's going to happen, and what's going to happen is going to happen, what's the point of praying? You know, it's true that God knows the future, but he does not always act on his foreknowledge. That's the key, folks. One person, uh, actually... Uh, Boethius, who was uh, an old, uh, from the Roman Empire, he was like a, a, a wise, one of the senators, and he was a, had a lot of wisdom. He said, God sees in the present the future events which proceed from free choice. God knows what will happen if you make a particular choice, but does not interfere in the choice made unless asked for guidance. I like that. That's pretty right on there. You see, free choice that God gave us, that is the X factor. That's where things change. Amen. Expert chess players. Now, I can play chess, but I'm not expert. I'm not even close. I'm not even a spurt. Amen. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can play and whatever, but you could probably wipe me out if you have any kind of a, you know, you know. Whatever. I, I'm better with checkers, you know, king me. That's, that's better. But you know, expert chess, mas, uh, check, uh, chess players are called grandmasters. You know, Bobby Fischer, I believe his name was, or somebody Fischer was uh, one from America, and then the Russians were always very good chess players, and he beat, he beat the big uh, Russian guy at the time, and that was back in the, I don't know, 70s or 80s. But grandmasters can see 10 and 20 moves ahead. But you know what? He's got to see, okay, if he does that, then I'm going to do this. And if he does that, and if I do that. And then if I do this, this, and this, and he does that, that, and that. And then it's like, whoa, I need a cup of coffee or something. Amen. They consider all scenarios and possible moves that their opponents make before they make their moves. And though they see all these scenarios and possibilities, they don't act upon them until they see what their opponent's next move is. Amen. Because that changes the future of the game. I believe, now folks, listen to this, I believe God is so awesome 
and so amazing that he can see multiple futures for each of us. Amen. Because, see, we can still make a choice. Well, if God already knows the end from the beginning, then he knows what I'm going to do. Oh, but you can do two different things. You can do three different things. So, yeah, he knows what you're going to do if you do that, but he also knows what you're going to do if you're going to do that. If you turn left, that's what's going to happen. If you turn right, that's going to happen. If you say yes, that's going to happen. If you say no, that's going to happen. Talked about uh, God shutting the door on Sunday. If you go through that door, that's going to happen. If you don't and you go through this other door, that's going to happen. He sees it all. And that blows your mind, and I'm glad he's God and I'm not, because I would like be having migraines up there saying, first of all, all these people are asking me stuff all the time. Seven billion people, whoo, I never have a break. But see, we, we, we have to understand that God's not like us. He can handle it all. Amen. So these multiple futures are all based on what we choose to do. He gave us free will to choose. And our future is based on the choices we make, not on what was predestined before we were even born. Let me give you an example of that. Jeremiah 1.5, uh, the Bible said, God told Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations before he even was born. Galatians 1.15, Paul said, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Now these are both examples of God's foreknowledge. But the important thing to remember is if Jeremiah and Paul did not answer the call, did not go through the doors that God opened for them and decided to go their own way, their futures would have been different. That's where this predestination doctrine, it crashes and burns. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, you, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a will of God in heaven for every one of us. There's a plan in heaven for every one of us. And the key is to get it down on earth in our life. Whether that plan comes to pass or whether the will of God is accomplished on earth in our life is totally up to us. Now, I asked a question earlier. What is the point of praying if our future is set in stone? I'll tell you what it is because we can change things with our prayers. Amen. We need to pray. We need to fast. We need to have great faith. We need to stand on God's word because we can change God's mind regarding our future and even the future of others. Amen. We see it in the Bible and I've seen it in my own life in my prayer life. In fact, I believe that God is looking for people to stand between him and them and between him and situations so that he will have mercy and he will show his amazing grace because God really wants his love to come through more than anything else. Now, he's the greatest judge and lawgiver. And when the law is transgressed, judgment has to come. But you know what? If somebody stands in the gap and prays, God can change his mind. Amen. And he's done it before. That's why things, many things are, are wide open to be changed through prayer and through our choices. Ezekiel 22:30, God said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me and the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So he had no choice in that situation. He had to, he had to destroy. But what if somebody would have cho chosen 
hey, I don't believe in this predestination thing. I'm going to believe God can do anything, and I'm standing in the gap. I'm going to hold on to my faith. I'm going to keep my prayer request going. Praise God. Moses changed God's mind regarding the judgment. He wanted Moses up on the mountain, you know, for 40 days and 40 nights. And the people told Aaron, his brother, he said, they said, we don't know what happened to Moses and this God or whatever. You make us gods to go before us. And they made the golden calves. And Moses comes down the mountain. He's fired up. He, sa he said, what are you guys doing? Right? I mean, it, it was rough. And, and God told Moses, <laughs> he said, Moses, you step aside. I'm done with these people. And Moses said, I ain't budging. You didn't bring us all the way out here to wipe us out. Amen. And I don't want to be a new nation just by myself, me and my family. You're gonna, we're going to have to work with these people, God, and I'm standing in the gap, and I'm not going to let you do it. And then he, and God goes, okay, I'm changing my mind. I'll have mercy. Now, there was a little bit of judgment, and there was a rough time there, but for the most part, they moved on. Amen. And it was because one man said, this is not predestined. I'm going to stand in the gap. Blind Bartimaeus, he was on the roadside yelling, screaming. He heard that Jesus was coming by. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. Now, I wonder if he wouldn't have cried that. He wouldn't have got his healing that day. Was he predestined to be healed or not or what? Well, was it up to him? Oh, I think that's a lot up to us. God's ready. He's right there. We got to just be ready. Amen. Praise God. The woman with the issue of blood would, would not have been made whole if she would not have made the effort to leave her house and go to where Jesus was and touch the hem of his garment. Amen. The ten lepers that went to Jesus would not have been cleansed that day if they would not have cried out and said, Lord, have mercy on us. So see, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future, but sadly, not everyone will be saved. Not because they're not predestined to be saved, because we don't believe in that, but because they don't desire or choose to be saved. That's the only reason. And when we choose to be saved, and when we choose to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, we will go from a life of sin to a life of God's righteousness. Amen. And we will be, go from the miry clay, and He'll set our feet on the rock to stay. And we will start becoming what, what I call predestined for greatness. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. He didn't know sin, but he became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. So he was righteous and perfect, and he became sin so that we who had sin could be forgiven and we could be on the road to being predestined for greatness. And when we desire to be what God wants us to be and to fulfill our true purpose on earth, then it will be the greatest rags to riches story ever told. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 8 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. So we go from sin to his righteousness and from poverty to riches. Because we're predestined for greatness. Every single person.
if they will just choose to follow him. Amen. Every one of us, I believe, is predestined for greatness. We just need to follow God's plan in our lives. And then Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 2, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. That sounds like being predestined to greatness to me. Amen. One person said this, I know God has amazing plans. I pray for direction to follow them, patience to wait on them, faith to believe on them, and knowledge to know when they come. Because he has amazing plans. Our text verse says it, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. Amen. So it's totally up to us, folks, to answer the call of God to follow his plan for us and fulfill the wonderful destiny that he has for us. And it's a day-by-day journey. You know, some days are rougher than others. Some days, you know, you know we, fight our, we, we fight against the enemy. We fight against our own human flesh and, and carnal nature. We fight maybe against other people that try to hold us back. But you know what? You know, when we have a desire to be saved and we see the beautiful thing that God has done in our lives, His healing and His salvation and just the wonderful family of God that He's given us, it gives us strength and hope. To say, I want to be predestined, amen, to walk in his plan and to do his will and to be what he wants me to be. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast and may God bless you.